it's good to be back together here in Alumni Hall. I hope you all had a wonderful break and a restful time connecting with family and all those things. I hope you had a great start to this semester so far. Um, we have, um, we have a, a calendar, just by way of quick information here, uh, a calendar of events that are coming up. So if you're new or if you're looking for a place to plug into, a campus ministry to be a part of, uh, ACF is a campus ministry, but we're also a church on campus, and so we sort of wear these two hats. And so uh, if you're looking for a campus ministry to sort of plug into day-to-day, week-to-week, uh, we'd love to have you join us. And, and this is probably the best way to stay connected with us. Uh, we have a calendar of events. This is just some basic information. You could find this at our back welcome table. And so on your way out, feel free to grab one of these. And so inside, you'll find a list of uh, some of the major events coming up in the life of our church. And so uh, go ahead and pick one of those up, and that will serve as a helpful resource to you, hopefully. Uh, along with that, you heard it in, in the announcements, but again, if, you're, if this is your first time here joining us, uh, you ought to know that the, the primary way that we communicate with you uh, is actually not through the platform here, but it's through our devices. We, we want to encourage you to join our texting service and we communicate uh, all important information, updates. You get live updates and notifications uh, on your phone. And so we, uh, we would love for you to do that. Again, you could just scan the QR code on the back of these or in your bulletins and uh, make sure to save uh, that number to your phone as ACF. And uh, I'm telling you, if you've never subscribed before, it's going to take all of 15 seconds to do so. And uh, you can unsubscribe at any point that you like. So again, that is the best way to stay connected with the life of our church. And uh, friends, we are glad to kick off this new season. With a new season ahead of us, we start a brand new series. It's a series that, um, a, a, a topic, a subject matter that I feel uh, deeply impressed upon my heart that God is wanting to lead us as a, as a faith community, as a church family through. Uh, in fact, our leadership team, all the way stemming back all the way from last year, has felt something similar sort of brewing in their souls, that this is something we ought to talk about. We need to, we need to dig deep into this subject matter here, and that is the topic of prayer. We're calling the series, Teach Us to Pray. Well, friends, if I were to ask you this morning, as you come in here this morning, if I were to ask you this morning, How's your prayer life? I wonder how you might answer that question. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? And now fully knowing that there's probably a wide spectrum of people in this room, you know, people who uh, maybe you say, I've been walking with Jesus all my life and my prayer life is rich. It's deep, you know. And, and maybe for you simultaneously, you might say, I've been walking with Jesus all my life, but I don't know that I have a great prayer life. Maybe for some of you, you're, you're, you're just starting out on this journey. You're like, man, I, I, this is like, you know, I'm still sort of exploring Christianity. I'm getting my feet wet in, in sort of the Christian world and all these things. And so maybe for you, you're like, I'm developing, I'm growing, I'm moving upwards in my prayer life. But, you know, I wouldn't say by any stretch of the imagination, I'm like this prayer monster warrior kind of person. I'm not, I'm not that. And still, maybe for some of you, you haven't even made a decision on what you think about this whole Christianity thing. You're on the fence, and that's okay. For that, we say we're glad you're here. We hope that you stick around. You know, this sense of like, I'm still, I don't know about this whole God thing. I don't know about this whole Christianity thing, this whole Jesus thing. And so when I ask you, how's your prayer life, you're like, 
I'm not sure how to answer that question. You know, the, the truth is, depending on where you are in your faith spectrum, you'll, your answer to the question, well, how is your prayer life, will vary widely. Our, our, for some of us, our prayer lives might be vibrant. Like I said, you know, uh, I, I think about the quote from, from Martin Luther is the one that comes to mind most readily, uh, not, not MLK Jr., whom day we will observe tomorrow. I'm talking about Martin Luther, the, 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 the German priest and theologian from the early 1500s and most well-known for the Protestant Reformation. He once famous, famously said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. It's like, we, we have said something similar, but not quite. We have said, I have so much to do, but so little time. I have so much to do, therefore, I will go in my calendar and I will map everything out that I need to do. I have so much to do that I will just sit here and panic and do nothing. <laughs> anyone, anyone been there, right? It's like just paralyzed from like the amount of stuff you have to do. Like I have so much to do, I'm just going to sit. I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to sit here and just shrivel up into my hole, right? Like I have so much to do. Martin Luther says, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. You see, for Martin Luther, the more he had to do in his life, in his ministry, in his calling, in his vocation, the more he sensed the need to pray. And maybe you're in that same boat. Maybe you're like Martin Luther, the great reformer of the Christian faith. Your prayer life is deep and rich. But if I were to go out on a limb here, I think I would say for the most of us, that's just not the case. Uh, I have a feeling that for most of us, our prayer lives never quite reach far beyond prayers around mealtime, prayers in church services. You know, I, I have heard comments uh, through the grapevine like, it's like, wow, you guys pray a lot in ACF. Like, you guys pray for the pulpit, pray for the, da, 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 every, like, you guys pray a lot. It's like, yeah, oh, we kind of think it's an important thing. Like, and so maybe for some of you, the extent of your prayer time is what what we do here in the church context, maybe prayer in small group Bible studies or small groups, life groups, sort of the perfunctory prayers that are all around us, maybe for some of us, that's the extent of our prayer lives. And if we were brutally honest with ourselves, we would have to admit, for many of us, our prayer lives, at best, is paper thin, not really deep, rich. Now, listen, I don't say that as a word of condemnation, and I know I'm sort of making a blanket statement here, and, and maybe for you, you're the, you're the outlier, you're the anomaly, and, and that's okay. That's a, but, but if I were to just go out on a limb here, I don't say this as a condemning word or a judging word. In fact, I, as your pastor, will be the first to admit my prayer life can use some work. I'm not just saying that to just say, yeah, I'm with you guys. No, no really, I'm with, like, I, my prayer life can use some work. If I were being real honest with ourselves, I want to, I want to grow. If I were to be real honest, I, as, as we started off this new year, 2023, I share this with our pre-service uh, prayer folks, and, and, I, and I said, you know, at the turn of every new year, I, I get really excited. It's a blank slate, right? I get, I get, to, I get to explore and, and brainstorm all the different ways that I, become, I can become a better person in 2023 than I was 2022. And I've been pressed upon my heart again. I, I said this before, but, but I, it, like, when I think about a better version of myself in 2023, what do I think about? It's a praying person. It's a prayerful person. 
It's a person, it's a man who is growing in his prayer life. It's, it's someone who is leading a church who knows how to pray. That is being part of a church community that knows how to pray. I want to be part of a church community that really knows how to pray and understands what it means to pray. I want to live my life in a way that places value and priority in the ministry of prayer. Not the ministry of more doing, not the ministry of planning, not the ministry of Google calendaring. I want to become a man of prayer. I want to learn what it means to grow in the ways of prayer. But the truth is, I don't always know how to do that. And maybe you're in the same boat. You're like, Dan, I'm with you. The desire is there, but the direction is lacking. I want to grow as a person of prayer, but I just, just, I, I just, I don't know that I know how to do that. And that's where we come to this simple statement, teach us to pray. In fact, that's a prayer in and of itself. It's a prayer that I would encourage you throughout the duration of this series. For the next several weeks, we're going to be spending time in this series. I would encourage you to come before God and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray. Teach me how to pray. You, you know, you, you see, this was, the, this was the precise question that the disciples came to Jesus with. And, and we're not going to look here in today's passage. Uh, you can look at it at another time. But in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, they essentially come to Jesus and say, Lord, the desire to pray is there, but the direction is lacking. I've got the desire, but I don't have a whole lot of direction. So, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Now, here's the interesting thing about this request, and then we'll go to today's text here in just a moment. The, the interesting thing about this request, two things, in fact. The first is this. You've got to remember that these disciples were all Jewish, which meant that they grew up being taught how to pray. They actually didn't need to be taught how to pray because all throughout their life from a very young age, they grew up being taught. It was part of their Jewish custom as, as growing up in this Jew, Jewish community, they would have been taught how to pray specific certain prayers around certain festivals, around certain times of the year, around certain times of the day, three times during the day, they would be taught how to pray. They would have had a well-versed life in prayer. They would have gone to the temple courts to pray. They would have seen religious leaders as they went to the temple courts and watched them pray and been in environments where, where prayer was just normal. They would have been grown up in homes with, with parents who, who taught them, who prayed often. And so at face value, this request would have been seen as a very odd request coming from a group of people who quite frankly, seem to be well-versed in the ways of prayer. But now here's the other interesting thing about this request. When you think about who Jesus was to these disciples and what these disciples would have witnessed in Jesus' life, what they witnessed in his ministry, all the miracles that unfolded and all the amazing ministry moments and opportunities that they had with Jesus, you begin to realize, wait a minute, they could have asked Jesus to teach them anything they wanted here in this moment. Like if I were one of the disciples, just think about this for a moment. If I were one of the disciples and I had the opportunity to be taught by Jesus himself, the master, the rabbi, and I could ask him, Rabbi, teach me anything I wanted. I mean, just think about it. What, what would you ask? I mean, knowing what you know about Jesus on this side of Scripture, what might you have come alongside with and asked him? What, like, I don't know, maybe like, 
hey, Jesus, you, you know that one time at that one wedding where you turned water into wine? Like, that was awesome. Can you teach me how to do that? Like, you know, like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll roll up into any party, man. Just give me some water. I'll turn that thing into wine. That's, I would love to do that. How would you do that? Teach me how to do that. Or, or, or teach me, you know, you, know, you know that whole fish and loaves trick that you did on the mountainside and you fed all that, all that ton of people? Like, how would you do that? I could pull a rabbit out of the hat, but I can't feed 5,000 people with a couple of fish and loaves of bread. Like, huh? teach me how to do that. Or, or teach us how to heal sick people. I won't ever have to deal with the Penn State plague. Hallelujah, say somebody. Like, hey, I, teach me how to heal sick people. I want to know how to heal. Because it seems like whenever sick people came to you, they walked away healed. What's, what gives? Like, well, what is happening there? Or, or teach us how to cast out demons. Or teach us how to open blind eyes. Teach us how to raise the dead. Teach us how to preach and teach like, okay, like, okay, raising the dead, if that's like 301 level, let's start at 101. Okay, just teach us how to preach and teach like you. Because it seems like when you talk, people listen. When we talk, people fall asleep. Like, can you teach me how to preach and teach like you? Of all the things they could have asked Jesus to teach them, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I don't think it was by accident. It wasn't because they didn't know how to pray. Because again, they knew how to pray just based on their Jewish heritage. They, they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray because when they saw Jesus pray, they witnessed something entirely different. They witnessed something fundamentally different. There was a, something vastly different about the way Jesus prayed versus the way other people prayed or even how they were taught to pray. Not only that, but when Jesus prayed, things seemed to change. Wouldn't that be great if every time we prayed, things just changed? It's like, you know, I think for many of us, if we were being really honest, the reason why we prayed and stopped praying is because nothing changed. Why pray, right? But these disciples, they noticed, okay, Jesus, there's something different about the way you pray. It seems like, first of all, you seem to be praying often. Like, every time we're looking for you, you're off in a corner praying somewhere. You're off in a desolate place praying somewhere. Like, it's like, it's like, like again, like Martin Luther, I've got so much to do, so, so I'm going to commit all this time to pray. You, Jesus, you pray a lot, but not only do you, it's not the quantity of the prayer time that astounds us, Jesus. It's the result of your prayers. When you pray, things seem to change. Things seem to, the environment begins to shift when you pray, Jesus. The atmosphere around changes, Jesus. You see, the request wasn't so much, teach us to pray, but more specifically, Lord, teach us to pray like you. I want to know how to pray like you, right? It's like, for many of us, when we, when we want to learn from the best, we go to YouTube, right? We, we Google, we YouTube, like, who's the best of the best in this field? It's like, the, these disciples, they were like, look, look I'm, I'm going to go to the master, the one who knows, the one who actually has experience and, and, a, and a resume to show for it. Lord, of all the things that we want to learn, those miracles are great. Raising the dead, wow. Water into wine, Man, life of the party, that's awesome. But above all of those things, Jesus, won't you teach us to pray like you? 
Teach us to pray like you. And that's where we come to today's passage. Can you believe it? All that was just the introduction, people. We're just getting started, okay? No, I'm kidding. We're, 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 uh, but seriously, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, as you turn to Matthew chapter 6, I just want to share a few brief thoughts with you here this morning and, uh, and, and unpack a little bit of what we discover. Jesus in Matthew 6 begins to teach his disciples what it looks like to pray like Jesus. Pray like Jesus. Uh, the, again, the parallel uh, gospel account in Luke chapter 11 I mentioned is, is sort of the, the sort of mirror uh, gospel account, but we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 here this morning and even for the subsequent weeks uh, following. And so Jesus begins to teach his disciples. And for the remainder of our time, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5, and discover some principles on prayer uh, even, even before we go any further into the series, just lay down some basic groundwork and some principles on prayer as we seek to grow in our prayer lives. And so at this time, I'm going to invite Gabe to come back up here, and he's going to read today's passage for us. Uh, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, that's okay. We're going to put the text up here on the screen as well. Uh, and uh, we're going to be reading out of the English Standard Version, but go ahead and open up to whatever version you have and uh, follow along with us. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to go from uh, verse 5 through 8. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who's, uh, sorry. <laughs> and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Thank you, Gabe. By the way, Gabe, I'm happy you're back, man. I know Rome, blah, 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 whatever, but I'm happy you're back. It's good. Good to have you back, Gabe. Uh, this short little passage, it's a short little, not very lengthy, and we're just going to camp out on these several verses here uh, for the remainder of our time. In this short little passage, we find two categories of people that Jesus addresses right out of the gate, the hypocrites and the Gentiles. The hypocrites and the Gentiles. And with each category, Jesus has an admonition for them and an instruction he, he has an admonition and an instruction. And the admonition and instruction is sort of Jesus' way of, of teaching us how to pray. He says, don't do this admonition, rather do this instruction. Uh, for, for many times when I'm trying to learn how to do something, it really helps not to just learn the instructions on the thing to do, but also what not to do, right? Like, how many of you agree? Like, sometimes you've got to be taught what not to do in order to better understand what to do. And so Jesus projects this admonition and instruction to these two categories of people. He first turns to the hypocrites. And the admonition that he has for them is, don't make prayer a show. Don't make prayer a show. Now, now for some of us, we might not struggle with this. This might not be a thing for us, but just, just go with me because we're, we're going, moving from the text and allow the text to speak to us. And so Jesus, at the end of the day, he's saying, hypocrites, listen, don't make prayer a show. You see, what was happening during this time was there were people who would display their spirituality 
and their righteousness as a form, their, their piety as a, as a form of show and performance. It was, a form of, it was a form of theater in hopes to drum up praise and admiration from people. See, this was the original virtue signaling, long before virtue signaling became a thing, right? Like long before any social media account. They didn't need that. All they had to do to virtue signal was to go out into the street corners and pray aloud. They would pray aloud in hopes that people would pass by and, and marvel at the depth of their spirituality. You know, we do this sometimes, not in prayer, but we do this in casual conversation to show the depths of our lives. How do we do that? Hey, man, how are you? Busy, man. Busy. You know, I'm, I'm grinding, man. I got, a, I got a lot. You know, it's like, you know, we, we like to project to the world that we have significance and value. And one of the ways that there were, there was a group of people during this time, one of the ways that they were doing that was by going out to the street corners and showcasing their spirituality, showing the world, look how awesome I am, as they prayed aloud. The problem was, their spirituality was all shallow. There actually was no depth. And Jesus' the whole point here is, in order to grow in depth, and in order to grow deeper in our prayer, like, and, and again, friends, I pray that that becomes our prayer. Even before we pray anything specifically, pray this, God, would you deepen my prayer life? Even before I pray anything to you specifically about requests and needs and da-da-da and all these things, Lord, would you make me a person of prayer? Would you deepen my prayer life? And Jesus says, the way there, the way to deepen your prayer life, you got to learn to pray differently than these hypocrites. The instruction then comes, pray not for show, but rather pray for intimacy. Pray for intimacy with your heavenly Father. You see, this is the kind of prayer that no one knows about. This is the kind of prayer that is stained with tears on your carpet, and no one will ever know about it. These are the kind of prayers, as you open up your Bible, your pages are all wrinkled because you have poured your soul out to God in those moments, just you and him. This is the kind of prayer that's just about you and God and you and God alone. He says, go into your room, shut the door behind you, and in the privacy of that space, that space becomes fertile soil for intimacy with your heavenly Father to grow. That's why you pray. You don't pray for show. You pray for intimacy. By the way, this is, this is in no way Jesus condemning uh, public forms of prayer. You know, like we pray publicly here and at virtually every ACF function, we pray like that. Prayer, public prayer is a very normal thing for us. This isn't Jesus saying the only way you should pray is in private. He's also not saying that the only place you ought to pray is in your room, in the privacy of Like go into your room and shut the door. He's not saying that there's this little place, your room is to be the only place where you pray. What he is saying is, you need to check your motive. You need to check your motive when it comes to prayer. You see, why you pray matters as much as that you pray. Why you pray matters as much as that you pray. Your motive for prayer matters. And if your motive for prayer is anything other than growing in intimacy with God, growing in depth with God, you've got to check your heart. Also, just as a quick side note, you can generally tell when someone prays in public whether they have a private prayer life or not. And this was Jesus' whole point when he was pointing out the hypocrites. It's like, 
you got a public prayer life, but I can, I can sniff it out. You don't really have a private prayer life because the way you pray, I can tell you don't really know the Father. It's like, it's like if I were to uh, tell you about my wife, you would, you would quickly catch on like, no, this is a guy who really knows his wife. As opposed to if I were to tell you about a random stranger I met the other day on the road, like, it's like I can maybe describe what he looked like. I can maybe describe the, sort of the, the kind of conversation that we had. I can kind of de describe some of, the, some of the context and environment around that. But like you would catch on, yeah, you don't really know that dude. Like he's a random stranger. But like if I, if I were to talk about my wife, you would know, no, no, this guy knows his wife. Because there is something vastly different about speaking from a place of truly knowing someone versus knowing about someone. That's why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3 so powerfully where he says, I indeed count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's like that song, I Surrender. We've sung it here in ACF before. It's like that song says, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Like that Jesus is like, that's why you pray. Because you want to know the Father more. Because there is surpassing worth in knowing Jesus than anything else. So that is your why. Jesus says that's the point of prayer, to grow in intimacy with the Father. So don't be like the hypocrites, where they prayed for a show. Rather, learn to pray so that you might grow in intimacy with the Father. And man, if I'm praying for anything for you, friends, this year, 2023 spring semester ahead of us I'm praying that you come to know God deeply and you don't just attend church and you're not just part of a campus ministry that you're part of a small group Bible study that's all that's, I, I encourage that that's all good but how many of you know you can go through all of that and come out not knowing the God of the Bible that you're studying the God of the, of the songs that we're singing, I pray that you would know God, that you would know in your heart this deep-rooted intimacy that God desires to have with you. And I pray that somewhere along the way, you would begin to have that desire growing for him. So you pray. Pray for intimacy. He moves away from the hypocrites. And then he turns to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the non-Jews, the non-religious folks of the time. So, so these were people who weren't taught how to pray. You know, they, they didn't really grow up in homes where prayer was normal. I mean, maybe you grew up in a, uh, a non-Christian environment. Maybe you grew up in an irreligious home, and, and so prayer was not a thing for you. That, that was these guys. These Gentiles grew up in this sort of environment. And so, so the admonition that Jesus has for them is, hey, don't pray empty prayers. Don't, don't pray don't pray empty prayers. They, they don't work. They, they're just a waste of your time and energy. Don't pray empty prayers. Now, now, real quick, what are empty prayers? Empty prayers are mindless babblings. It's thoughtless murmurings. It's selfish, wrong motives. It's this false assumption that says, the more I talk, the more God will listen. The more I speak to him and the more I babble on, the more God will listen. That was the false assumption that these Gentiles were operating out of. 
If I repeat myself enough times, maybe God will hear me. It was like, it was like if you remember uh, all, all the way back in 1 Kings 18, the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, what did they do? They were walking around the altar, praying incessantly, almost as rubbish prayer. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, you know, just over and over again. Jesus' whole point here is, listen, don't, don't pray empty prayers. First of all, don't pray to Baal because that don't work, okay? But he's saying also the mode and the approach, the, the mentality in which you approach prayer. Don't pray empty prayers. He says, God, Jesus, he says, God hears you. He heard you the first time. And not only does he hear you, but he knows what you need even before you ask him. Now, now this, this bothers me a little bit. You know, okay, if I'm being real honest, this, this little thing that Jesus says, like, he knows what you need even before you ask him, to me is both incredibly comforting and deeply confounding. It's comforting to know that, that God knows me so well that I don't even need to ask it, and he knows already what I need. He's able to meet me in my places of need every time. That's, there's incredible great comfort in that. That's good news. But it's also deeply confounding because if God really knows what we need before we ask, why even ask? Right? It's like, if God knows what we need, why pray at all? Why grow in prayer at all? Hey, here's the way I like to see it. Our prayer lives are, are sort of like a, a subway ride, a train ride, okay? It's, this might not be the best illustration, but just hear me out for just a moment, okay? This is, this is the best I had uh, on a late 8, 8 p.m. on a Friday night, okay? But, but just go with me. Um, over break, our family spent the day in New York City, and uh, we were riding the subway, uh, and, um, you know, instantly a nostalgia hit. You know, I grew up in New York City. Like, that was like every weekend my friends and I would, uh, would take the Staten Island Ferry into the subway and, and, and like, you know, just the, the smell of urine and trash. Just, I was like, I'm home. I'm home. You know, like, this is New York, baby. This is like, you know, the, the concrete jungle, the Big Apple. And so we went into the subway system. And we started uh, trying to find our route. And so we were downtown, and we were making our way up to Midtown towards Rockefeller, and we wanted to see the tree, and we were with family and all these things. And at our first stop, we go into the subway, we go into the train, and at our first stop, the kids look at me, and the train comes to a screeching halt, doors open, kids look at me, and they say, is this where we get off? I said, no, 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 not yet, not yet, just hang tight. Doors close, the train continues to move on. And the next stop, the train comes to a screeching halt, the doors open, kids look at me again as if to say, this is it, this is it? No, 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 just, just, no, this isn't our stop. Just hang tight, okay? And the door closes, again, the train moves, the train moves, door opens again, Dad, come on, this, like, can we go? This is our stop, right? This is, this is where we get off. No, 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 no. Just, just sit tight, enjoy the subway ride, I know it's not enjoyable. It smells funky. People are weird here. People are all up in your space. You'll probably get COVID after this, but it's okay. You'll survive. You know, like, but, but you know, like, you just, just sit tight. Enjoy the train ride. Don't get off. Just keep riding the train. We'll get there. And when we do, we'll get off at the right stop. You see, when we pray, sometimes we come to God and we ask, is this our stop? Is this, is this where we get off? And God's like, God's like, no, not here, not yet. 
We keep moving on like, God, is this, is, is this, is this your plan for my life? Is this, is this a step I should take? Is this a relationship that I should pursue? Is this a career that I should go down? Is it, no, 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 not yet, not yet. Hang, on, hang on, hang on. We're, we're getting there. We're not quite there. Just hang tight. Don't get off the train. This isn't your stop. Enjoy the ride. We'll get there. And when we get there, we'll get off at the right stop. How many of you know sometimes we pray the wrong prayers? Sometimes we get off the wrong stops. And when we get off the wrong stops, our life is in shambles. We're frustrated. We're confused. And when we look at God and we're like, God, what? God, what, what? Come on. And God's like, bro, I told you. That's not our stop. Not yet. Just stay put. Stay put. This isn't your stop. You see, to me, the reason why I think about this sort of Pray, the prayer as a, as a subway ride, a train ride, because prayer is this beautiful journey. As we grow in intimacy with God, we begin to learn to pray for the right things. You see, prayer, if all prayer was was an exchange, how sad and depressing that would be. But prayer is this journey of saying, okay, you might not, this isn't your stop, just, just stay with me. Keep asking, keep asking. Now, by the way, let me just say this. The issue here. You know, we read this, and, and, and it seems like Jesus is, like, telling the Gentiles, like, just shut up, okay? Just, like, stop. Stop talking. Stop asking. Stop, you know, like, stop babbling on. You, but, but look here. The issue here isn't that, that God wants us to, to, to pray less. It's not like the, the fact that God knows what we need before we ask him does not mean that God doesn't want to hear from us. That's not true. He wants to hear from us. Jesus isn't trying to shut us up. He's not trying to get us to stop asking. In fact, if you study scripture, Jesus actually tells us the very opposite. He says, come on, what are you doing? Ask, seek, knock. Right? Like, and in fact, he tells the story of the persistent widow. Like there's a lesson in persistently asking. James says, you have not because you ask not. Friends, the Bible is, is clear in not against asking but the fact is, God is too good, too kind to let us keep asking for the wrong things. And so God says, nope, this isn't your stop. Just keep asking, keep riding the train, and when we get to the right stop, you'll know. You'll know. By the way, do you know how to get to the right stop of your life? You grow in intimacy. When you grow in intimacy with the Father, you begin to understand what it is that he wants for your life. And so every time the train doors open, you don't have to ask God, God, is this it? It's like, I'm stepping. No, no, like I know, I know my Father. And I know how he operates. And so when he's leading me, I trust his leadership in my life. And so I'll know when I get to Rockefeller Center. I'll know when my right stop comes because I'm growing in intimacy. You see, these two categories are not two separate categories, but for many of us, they're the same person. We are both the hypocrites and the Gentiles oftentimes. And the admonition for us here for this 2023, this spring semester is, is hey, don't pray for show. Don't, in fact, don't pray for anything other than growing in intimacy with God. Like we prayed, we spent some time in worship today. Oh God, we long for your presence. Pray for that. Pray for that. Grow in intimacy with him. And don't pray empty prayers. 
And you want to know the instruction that Jesus has for the Gentiles? The instruction then comes. Don't pray empty prayers. Rather, pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer. And that's where we're going to go for the several we next several weeks. We're going to spend the remainder of this series, not just talking about prayer from a general sense, but looking at the prayer, the goat of all prayers, the, the, the hall of fame of prayers. Like this is the prayer that Christians and churches and faith communities have been praying over centuries on end, on end. The Lord's Prayer, as our Catholic brothers and sisters know it, as our Father prayer, this is the prayer that Jesus begins to teach his disciples. And so right here, before he even goes into that, he gives us an admonition, instruction. He says, don't pray like this, but rather, pray like this. And in Matthew 6, 9 and proceeding, Jesus begins to teach us one of the most profound prayers that we as followers of Christ can ever pray, the Lord's Prayer. And this is the prayer that Jesus responded with when his disciples came to him and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, okay, let me teach you a prayer. Pray this. I'm going to invite the worship team forward. And as we close out here this morning, I just want to lead us just in a moment of prayer before we sing our final song. I'm excited to go through the series with you, friends, and, and my hope is that uh, you, would, you would journey along with us, you would track along with us, and... and, uh, and in fact, one of the things that we're actually going to do, uh, we're not going to have it this week, but the following week after we start into the Lord's Prayer, we're going to have a weekly prayer gathering um, where we're going to be able to implement and practice some of these things that we talk about in these Sundays. Uh, because the last thing I want to do is, is teach you a prayer that Jesus taught us and not pray it. And so we want to give you a space where we're going to guide you through some prayer moments and some prayer prompts. And, and so as we go through the Lord's Prayer and we pa uh, piece it piece by piece, we're going to have an opportunity during the week, and it's going to be a short little time and, and, you know, where we gather together and we say, okay, let's do this. If, if this is the prayer that Jesus taught us, I want to be well-versed in this prayer. I want to know what this prayer looks like and what it means and what it's going to do for my life. And my hope and prayer, friends, is that as we dive into this prayer, your prayer life deepens. That my prayer life deepens. That at the end of this journey, we become a church that knows how to pray as we ask Jesus to teach us how to pray. Amen? Can I pray for us?